the, then go that. Pump I mean, it makes up sense. the volume. We are just we are just noise. Okay. In your sure, ear holes. Let's start over. Welcome to the Innovation Overground, the front porch of academic innovation, where we find some of the coolest university innovations so that you don't have to. Thank you for joining us. My name is Charlie Litton. I am joined by Tyler Scher. Hey, Charlie. How's it going? Tyler, you have a PhD in science. Yep. Is that the technical term for that? Mm, so we yep. call you Dr. Science or Science Wizard. Science Wizard. Science yeah, Wizard. Beautiful. Our resident science wizard, Tyler Share, everyone. Yes. And I'm also joined by Joe Rungi, who doesn't like to share time with other people, so he gets his own separate in- introduction. He is also an entrepreneur, werewolf, and Dr. Law Dog. And a diva, apparently. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, your peeled grapes are waiting for you in the green room. And as I consume them, I shall remind people... To please rate the podcast and leave a review and please tell your friends. We are the front porch for academic innovation worldwide. Worldwide, I say. The best tech transfer uh, podcast in the world, I might add. Yes. Proven uh, because we're the only Certainly ones. the longest. We have two seasons. Um, yeah, that's right. We are like at two episodes now into the second season and no one has kicked us off the air yet. So yeah, bonus, right? Yes. Um, Okay, so with all that said, I think it's time we went over something that does bug me a little bit about sci-fi. Um, it seems like every time you watch, I shouldn't say this, not every time, obviously, but often enough it happens where apparently the writers get themselves into a little bit of a corner, and so they decide to write themselves out of it with nanites. Uh, you know what? Oh, that we just have nanites to fix that problem. So where are we on the nanites? Do we have nanites yet? Can we get nanites? You know, really, actually, that's a great way to set it up because Tyler's like, hey, we should find nanotechnology-based like health monitoring, right? Like, what did you yeah, say? Yeah, either, to... either medical imaging or, yeah, or actual had, like, like, science wizardry like, words. sensor nanobots in your bloodstream yes, measuring exactly. glucose. Nanites. Yeah, 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 yeah so yeah, I, like, yeah, yeah. I scoured them internets for yeah. that. And, and no, I'm sorry. We, I could not find sentient nanorobots <sighs> crawling through. So those sci-fi writers are way ahead of their time. Michael Crichton. <laughs> I did, oh, that's however. right. Swarm or something. Was oh, it? Swarm. Yeah. 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 That wasn't nanorobots, though, was it? It was like swarming robots. Yeah, but it was. But, but the nanites. original application was medical imaging. Yeah. Oh, really? They were supposed to like come together inside your body and like make a, a nice little lens that for which you get a high resolution image. When they start eating people or something, right? Yeah, that's a problem. That is. Yep, I think that's less than that ideal. Was, yeah. At, 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 I'm guessing a clinical trial. Do no trial, harm. You should do no I harm. I think a clinical yeah. trial would fail at, at that first. Point. Do no harm. Yeah, that'd be a weird report to write. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, consumed so, the patient. <laughs> the patient was consumed. <laughs> can I get my phase two on the grant? <laughs> All right, so they can't do it, I guess. Uh, but they can make tubes, and like if you think about it, like you need tubes to make robots. That's my pitch. That's one of the steps. Tubes. Yeah, it goes particles, tubes, robots. Yeah. Okay. There's some in between, but it's like straws. Like straws, yes. Okay, so we can but make nano, nano straws. straws you can't see them. For drinking small milk. It'll take you like <laughs> a month to drink a glass of chocolate milk with one, but got to do it so in the So the nanites can have their Capri Suns. They have the straws ready to go. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, so carbon nanotubes, right? Really interesting. So one uh, nanotubes are like one of the ways they're going to make like super strong filaments, right? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So love carbon nanotubes. They have some really interesting applications. How does this figure into your elevator, your space elevator? Oh, thank you. I wanted to talk about space elevators, but I was super (laughs) self-conscious about it. (laughs) Well, I knew you were going to bring it up eventually. I know. I love space elevators. Great. You gave him permission. I think human (laughs) destiny is in a space elevator. Now if we can just 3D print it so Tyler gets out. Oh, my gosh. We need a 3D printed psychoactive space elevator. I'd love to talk about 3D printing. I'm a 3D printing vampire. I just, know. Once you invite I me in. I should have said it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Man, we were just sorry. rolling with the nicknames. They're all so dorky. 3D printing vampire, <laughs> entrepreneurial werewolf. For the record, I have zero nicknames. So. Science wizard from House Unimed. <laughs> so, all right. So tell me about these nanotubes. So uh, carbon nanotubes are very, very, very small structures made out of atoms of carbon. We kind of briefly talked about this when we talked about graphene, how if mm-hmm. you just get a sheet of carbon, uh, single atoms, it does just crazy stuff. You can sort of uh, modify those properties even more so uh, by sort of creating structures out of them. So, you know, all the the things that are really cool about carbon, and in this case specifically, it's it's conductive and super strong. Um, but then you can sort of modify it with chemistry, and you still have these really small molecules that have these really cool structural properties. These are interesting for things like delivering drugs. So one of the classic nanotechnology applications is you make little bubbles of whatever uh, polymers or fat molecules or whatever, and you can target them to specific areas. So if you have a drug that will treat one part of you and kill one other part of you, then you make sure it gets to the part you can treat or, I don't know, kill if you want to be poisoned, whatever, right? You can target it. That's the important function. Like tumors, right? You want to poison tumors. Right? Sure. Yeah, those guys too. Yeah. But um, so <laughs> the, the, the thing is that's uh, the, the technology that, that we identified, um, they are out of the University uh, of Arkansas, and it is a, a cool um, carbon tube structure that has associated with it um, antioxidant chemistry. And so what you can do then is mm-hmm. you can take these antioxidant chemicals and actually evaluate antioxidant activity that's occurring in, in liquids. So they identify it either for, uh, you know, you can monitor antioxidant activity in, in living organisms. This is like especially relevant because antioxidant activity is one of the like key factors associated with longevity. Hmm. So if you have dysfunctions hmm. in your ability to uh, have your antioxidants function, then your self-repair and, and other mechanisms will be impaired. But the other thing that's really kind of interesting about it too is you can measure the antioxidant capabilities within food. So this could not just be a measure to see if they're actually as healthy as they claim, but if they're as fresh and as functional as they have continued to be. So are you talking about oxidative stress yes okay tyler can you explain in simple terms what that what that is and i think i think antioxidant and and it's a type of thing that's kind of thrown around but i don't know if a lot of people really understand what's happening yeah um so yeah so there's a lot of environmental and uh, internal generators of reactive oxygen species. So just your cellular metabolism produces reactive oxygen species. These okay. are basically just so what these, is are, these are molecules that that readily um, uh, either grab um, uh, or or throw electrons around. So they, they they walk into the party and they're throwing elbows. Um, and that and can so mess these electrons up. kind of bounce off of stuff, go through things, and damage cells, and can yeah. create 
abnormalities. Yeah, it's and, damaging and, proteins. It can damage your, your uh, nucleotides, DNA, okay. etc. cetera. Uh, antioxidants, um, as the theory goes and in practice has been shown, uh, are just special compounds that are more than happy to take elbows. So they, they just grab all the electrons. They're just, they just take them. They're happy with it. And okay. they, they don't spit them back out or throw them. At, at, they're very, very nice. So flight. one thing I've heard about uh, antioxidants, like something like, I don't know, what like blueberries or something like that is supposed to be very high in mm-hmm. antioxidants. Yeah, but r- red they, wine. But they don't survive. Uh, tomatoes. They're very short-lived. They don't live long enough to have the kind of impact I think a lot of people hope they do. Does that sound right? Well, so, I mean, that whole research is still contested, right? Um, Dr. Harmon, I believe, from the Med Center uh, uh, came up with the concept, I think, when he was still at Cal Berkeley. But he worked at the Med Center as a, a doctor and a researcher for decades um, I think he was nominated for the Nobel Prize at least two or three or even four mm-hmm. times um, for his theory on um, oxidative stress and, and aging, um, okay. but never, never awarded. So that, that whole, all that research, th- there's something there, but it's still, as to how it exactly contributes to aging, it's, I think, still contested. So okay. I think one of the interesting things about this technology is that it's less focused on the big question and it's much more focused on the practical considerations. It's measuring... Okay antioxidant activity is antioxidant activity even occurring and so that type of functional uh test would be beneficial so for example if you wanted to see uh to use a a platform like this and 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 this is mostly speculation but if you want to eat a pint of blueberries and then titrate over time to see if there's any increase in your the antioxidant activity in your blood or kind of associated bodily fluids then this would be a mechanism that would easily allow that test to happen. Instead of having complex enzymatic chemistry, this would just require the combination of the carbon nanotubes with the underlying chemistry allow for simple photonic validation, which means you just shoot it with, uh, shoot it with some type of radiation, and it changes the radiative properties of the carbon nanotubes based on the chemistry. So it's almost like an acid test. It just yes, no, or okay. how much antioxidant. Activity. So it really doesn't improve or... Or, or increase or decrease the amount of activity. It just yeah. helps you measure. Right. And okay. it's very much a, a good application of nanotechnology. By changing the chemistry, it sort of changes the application. And so okay. makes measuring antioxidant so activity. Sounds more like a research tool then. I mean, is there a practical application then for this? Sure. To- I mean, this could be used as a – if antioxidant activity is associated with aging, right, you could figure out somebody's – current metabolic age by how effective their antioxidants are Mm -hmm. and so and this is just a broad measure of antioxidant activity you have multiple different antioxidant mechanisms the things you eat the ones that you produce and so if you're a poor uh antioxidant if your antioxidant biology is not high then that's a measure that you're aging prematurely and I guess you can – and what can you do about that? I mean, is there anything to be done about that? Well, or I mean – ahead of the – So this kind of gets crawl back to – a corner and get sad. No, I'm joking. <laughs> that's what I mean. Is there anything – yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. therapy and, and MDMA, right? I mean, that's what you do. Call, call back. Um, no, I think, uh, you know, I mean, there's some obvious things you could do, right? But, like, I mean, maybe some of these aren't as effective, right? You can eat a lot of oranges, right? And maybe that's going to, I mean, right now, the way you measure that is let's boost the amount of antioxidants in someone's diet and then just see if they live longer. I was, I was kind of leading you, I was hoping to lead you to a point. I mean, does this help you then learn then what you can actually do to have an effect on, I think maybe we don't know the answer. I think to go back to what Tyler was saying, there, there's still a wide open discussion as to what is the connection between all these different things that seem to be related 
and how do we get them together? And probably a good way to start figuring that out is to measure it better. Okay. Yeah, sure. It's a better test, more objective measurement. That's cool. I yeah. mean, because it just it sounds like it could lead to a greater understanding of what will actually affect that sort of antioxidant activity. Yeah. I mean, people say blueberries are great, but are all do we really know? Yeah. Well. Or whatever. It's the big, the big blueberry industry. Um, <laughs> uh, the big are there blueberry. are there any non biological applications? Um, so they uh, recommend using it for food testing as well, which oh. is I guess quasi biological. Okay, okay. But, um, not not like not like a corrosion or anything around. No, no, I think it's no. uh, mostly related to biological activity for any okay. accident. So, okay, okay. Um, yeah, rust is probably going to be a, a different mechanism. Okay. Are there any other new technologies that we could build nanites with? Yes. Yes. <laughs> there are. <laughs> there right. are. Are they nano Tyler's holding out on the nano robots. Nano cubes. No. So this is, this is a, it's Cones. biomimetic technology. So it, that means it's inspired by biology, by nature. So this, this is application of carbon nanotube uh, to create artificial hair flow sensors. So in nature and, you know, in, in doing some research, I, you know, I, I thought about all the different uses for little tiny hairs on our arms and on our bodies and our ears. Um, but there's some pretty cool applications in, uh, throughout the wildlife uh, kingdom as well. So locusts, uh, they have these precisely arranged hairs on their head to navigate in flight. Um, which I didn't know about. Uh, and then bats have precisely arranged hairs on their wings to detect flow patterns of air Does in real locusts time. locusts are mammals? Um, locusts are not mammals. No. They have hair, though, no. And they're, so. they're insects. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. They, they, have, they, they have, don't have beards. They have tiny little hair-like appendages, apparently, on their heads. Um, bats have hairs on their wings to detect airflow very sensitively in real time, and that allows them to do some crazy acrobatic, aerobatic flights flight movements so anyway so all of that um was used as inspiration by some researchers from the air force research lab materials and manufacturing directorate uh jeff bauer matthew mashman gregory alert benjamin dickinson david phillips and a uh, shout out to the doolittle institute um who does tech transfer for the air force research labs um for for kind of uh for being you know avid listeners of our podcast one but also shining light on this technology is it captain doolittle Yes. The, uh, the Doolittle Raids and all that stuff? Yes. Yeah. A, a very important figure in our in our country's history and military history. Yeah. Air, Force, Air Force history also had a number of patents to his name as well. Really? Yeah. Really pioneered. I did not know that. Pioneered um, aviation technology. kind of crazy for, you know, basically flying a one-way mission over to China. To crazy like too, a fox. Yeah. No. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. Yeah. Very influential figure. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Very cool. All right, so what, what, what are they doing over at the Doolittle Institute then? So they came up with a, a new method of synthesizing these carbon nanotubes. Um, uh, so, so previous methods um, use things like uh, chemical vapor deposition um, to grow kind of large quantities, to, to uh, synthesize large quantities of nanotubes under um, appropriate conditions. So these are really high temperature, basically in a furnace high temperatures, you have some sort of metal substrate, and then you have a, a carbon-heavy um, or filled gas. Uh, and under the, right, under the right stimulus, that high temperature, you're able to kind of grow um, or synthesize nanotubes. They came up with an improved way to do this that uh, decreases the cost, avoids high-cost fabrication. Um, also, uh, uh, it, it, it 
uh, it seems to produce, um, uh, it seems to actually grow instead of synthesize, uh, uh, maybe more nano, more finely nanostructured uh, um, geometries for 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 improved properties. So when you these, say these, grow, these, these you mean like high precision nano devices? You mean like grow like crystals? Like yeah, actually, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, quite like a the a crystal. I suppose like synthesized, which is sort of enzymatically mediated or whatever. Yeah, or or you think of that more in like a, a big batch or something. Oh, like a, like, well, yeah, okay, is, okay, okay. But no, I think you're you're on the right track. Um, so these are really tiny flow sensors. Um, uh, so yeah, they're literally grown rather than fabricated or synthesized onto substrates um, using lower cost materials uh, like just uh, glass capillaries, for example. Um, applications for these high precision nano devices would be in flow measurement, nanofluidics, pneumatic control, anything that has that needs pneumatic control, um, also robotics. So, so in general, carbon nanotubes are, I mean, these, these are huh. these basically like paper thin electronics or even thinner than paper electronics, right? Um, and these are, so you'd make hairy robots. These are, you can make hairy robots. Yeah. I mean, just imagine, I mean, putting hairs on a drone, for example, right. or hairs on an airplane even. So it'd be ultra precise is <laughs> when it comes in contact with something. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. 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 Yep. That Doolittle. He had some really great ideas. He did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. On that horrible perversion, I think it's time we come back down to ground on that one. Thank you for joining us. We are sponsored by Unimed, the tech transfer office for the University of Nebraska. Um, And we are broadcasting from the studios at UNO, KVNO. And we want to shout out to them, say thank you for letting us use their facilities. For Joe Runge and Tyler Scher, I'm Charlie Litton on the Innovation Overground.